we stumble upon a pair of stoners in their natural habitat. Notice the red eyes and laid-back demeanor. Now it looks like they're going to talk to each other. Let's listen in. And welcome to uh, what is a very special episode. Very special? After school special. After school special of uh, the Rambling Stoners. Um, again, we are we are sans bungle, but we we've we've got an upgrade um as you, as you, <laughs> i don't mean that one i don't mean that one um but as you can tell i'm joined once again by my lovely fiance naomi and uh a blast from the past you have our my good friend ben joining us this week oh i'm this... not sure how i feel about being described as a blast from the past but <laughs> well, i'll take it you, i'm sure you, you meant it in a, a place it came from a place of love didn't it, it it came from a place that you you have been on a a, a, a an episode oh, of the rambling true. vapors that many is, a moon ago that was a long time ago now yeah. yes yeah. so it is very much a, a factual thing a blast from the past in the context of this podcast Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. But not in terms of our hearts. No, of course not. Oh, okay, good. I'm very much current affairs in your hearts. So yes, nice. always, always. Wonderful. Um, so yes, it's good to be here. Thank you. No, no, thank you for joining us. Like Ben has come to join us on, uh, like I say, what is a special episode. We're taking some time um, this t- this time round to um, talk mental health because uh, uh, as some may be aware this uh may is um at least in the united states is borderline personality aware uh, disorder awareness month also it's treated uh in some other countries around the world as just general mental health awareness month as well um and uh you know it's been no no i i, I don't make it a secret i'm i'm a I'm a sufferer of borderline personality disorder. Um, been having somewhat of a a, a difficult time uh, dealing with it recently. Is why um, there's not been the con the regularity of content that not that we were ever that regular with content anyway. Let's be honest. Um, but like, I mean, we record an episode which I still haven't actually uploaded and will go up shortly alongside this one as well. But not now. Anyway, that's by the by. So I wanted to, in order, in order, in order, in order, in honor, order, in because of it being a mental health awareness and borderline awareness month, uh, just do an episode where we kind of sit down and discuss because uh, discuss mental health in general. Because myself, uh, obviously, like I say, uh, diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Naomi, uh, I'm representing with, depression and anxiety. And Benny, uh, have you ever Hello? been given a confirmed diagnosis? I've never had a formal diagnosis now, uh, no, but I would say anxiety and depression are, def- are two things that I definitely do have yes. um, based on my experiences, um, and I have been on medication for it for some time, and I have also, we'll get into this later, but I have had a panic attack so bad that I actually couldn't breathe or use my hands. Uh, so um, I think that I think that qualifies as, yeah, as I, I think you're some definitely... form of anxiety or panic disorder. Yeah, I think you're definitely a big a big check mark in that i have a mental health issue or, yeah, or like absolutely. I, I, I don't know see this is the thing is like like the terminology even in describing it is is always just has that kind of weight of stigma attached to it yeah. um and this is one of the things that i wanted to one of the reasons i wanted to do this and be, it just be a very open kind of uh you know like straight off the bat like with most of our episodes we've not gone into like done a lot of research here this is just going to be us 
talking about our own personal experiences um and how how uh you know like how it's affected us in terms of you know our day-to-day lives our work lives and so on um and but yeah it what well, the point i was coming to is like it there is such a stigma in just in terms of like as soon as you say the words mental health and then it's how do you like you know how do you then go to um like i sometimes say mental health issues i sometimes say mental health illness mental health problem but like none of them seem all all of them seem to have that kind of like yeah it, it's always it's all a bit euphemistic isn't it yeah way. yeah um yeah. how do you yeah how do you put it bluntly but then a lot of i suppose language not just around mental health but certainly for mental health in particular a lot of language around this kind of thing is 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 euphemistic and mm-hmm. one of the one of the things i always found interesting that i read uh a few years ago now is um actually it might have been dan carlin that i might have heard it on his podcast but he was talking about um shell shock and oh, yeah, the yeah. term for it the term for it has evolved from shell shock and then it became i can't remember what it became after that um, well, but, if, it, but it's it we now call it ptsd yeah, yes yeah. and but we don't even say post-traumatic stress disorder no we say PTSD. it's like you want to kind so of you're you're initializing draw it as and little that attention kind of to it as the, possible yeah exactly and i think yeah. so much terminology yeah. has changed over the years out of um a better understanding of 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 how people feel about it you know like there are certain words you just don't use anymore in relation to personality or uh brain development that kind of thing you know Mm. we're just like okay we know we don't use that word anymore because it's offensive and it doesn't really encapsulate what's going on i think it's the same with mental health like you're still trying to find the terminology that is yeah inoffensive but doesn't shy away from what's really going on yeah well an interesting term i heard actually at work when they started doing all my old job when they started doing all kinds of mental health initiatives was they started up a neurodiversity group Mm, yeah you guys have heard that term before (laughs) yeah yeah Um, i I actually haven't it sounds it almost sounds like um the the uh, like special task force of uh, some weird crime division in some post um, like cyberpunk the the, the yeah, where so. i've seen it used really prevalently which is interesting so i have a friend who you know of ali who um runs an editing company in america yeah. uh she mm. has disassociative identity disorder which is oh yeah there's really very little understood about that even now <laughs> like for a long time people didn't even think it was a real thing mm. um yeah. Everybody who works in an editing company has something, for want of a better word, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah. they, you know, they present themselves as a neurodiverse company. They want to help authors who have the same kind of issues that they do because it can be really hard to make your way in that world yeah. if you have depression it, or anxiety or BPD or whatever. So, yeah, that's where I've seen it the most. It, yeah, it seems to me as kind of a blanket term for lots of different mm. conditions that people might have or even just, you know, different brains to what might be considered the sort of social norm so mm. so in the neurodiversity group that i was sort of witness to i didn't join it but um it was originally started by someone with autism an yeah. autism spectrum disorder yeah and is it still called a disorder even I, yeah so I, I don't, don't know. know i mean you tend I, to just to keep kind up of with the term exactly Again, yeah, the terminology like, is you tend to just talk about people being on the spectrum really yeah. don't you yeah, well, that's and again, that comes with its own derogatory, yeah, own it's, yeah. And, and it's very much a kind of you see online in certain discussion forums, you know, people will armchair diagnose and you know, be like, Oh, you yeah. sound like you're on the spectrum, yeah. you know, like, it's, it, yeah, it's yeah, not used absolutely. very appropriately well, all the time. I mean, it, like, yeah, it, people I, can use it 
I, just for um you know general sort of social, social awkwardness yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah like if you have any which level I, of yeah, i don't know introversion especially have. yeah exactly I, i'm fairly sure i'm not on the autism well See, I, I think I, everybody's in the autism spectrum but i mean if it is a spectrum where, then yeah everybody yeah. is on it but i don't know i don't know I, enough about it to i mean i ha i have like i have neither i have like weird social awkwardness uh, in that i'm like i'm really outgoing and gregarious but Mm. I constantly will say I, I'm like overly outgoing and like I, I probably open and share too much you too easily. But yeah. I think that is part of the borderline. Yes, it is. Um, and again, like when talking about terminology, like already, like you know, there, there's a lot of discussion on the uh, in terms of for borderline personality disorder. Uh, well, uh, while we're on the topic of, of, of the names and things, because there's a lot of uh, people within the mental health community that. Um, don't feel that the borderline is the right uh there's a lot of stigma attached to it like there's a lot of um psychologists and uh, um and therapists out there that won't immediately just won't treat people that are diagnosed with borderline because it's what you were saying so it was an article i read uh, yesterday about um uh, i can't remember what field she was in but a medical student who was going to specialize in borderline treatment because she had it herself and she was talking mm. about how when she spoke to professionals in the field, there was this instant dismissal of, oh, you know, I can spot somebody with borderline personality a mile away because they're manipulative, they're sociopathic, they're untreatable. And it just seemed to be a real blanket diagnosis that, like, if you have this, you are a bad person. Like, you are just fundamentally a bad person. Yeah, and that's that's tricky, isn't it? I think... Yeah, there's there's so many so many avenues. I'm already thinking like so many avenues we could go off down here and talk mm. for hours about. But yeah, um, yeah, where do you draw the line between having mental illness and just straight up being a bad person? Mm. Like, I, I think I think I think there are different lines that, that yes. different people will draw, and it's all based on sort of you know the relative morals of that person mm. and people and judging other people by their actions and and what do you consider evil uh, but personally i'm of the opinion that it's not i'm a i'm i'm a very bleeding heart kind of liberal when it comes to this <laughs> because i believe that you know a lot of people who do commit crimes even very serious and very horrific crimes there's often a there's often a, a mental disorder or a mental illness mm. behind that somewhere oh yeah completely um, i i would i would definitely agree with that to, to a certain extent i'm not and I wouldn't obviously wouldn't condone the actions, but I think, I think, given enough time and research and understanding, I think every condition is treatable. And by treatable, I mean you can make you can at least make people more comfortable, yeah, and more content with how their how their lives are. I'm not saying you can fix anyone because no. again, that's that's not the right word to use. But I think you can. I think anyone can be treated. I don't think there's necessarily the research in place to treat everybody yet. Yeah, but that doesn't mean but, it won't happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean yeah. that's and it, in, sorry, yeah, and sorry. Even, but even you know well-established treatments for 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 well-known you know mental health conditions such as anxiety, such as depression, is still a crapshoot because mm -hmm. we know that antidepressants work, but an individual one doesn't always work for an individual person. Oh. And even when it does, we have no idea why. Yeah, I, I oh, mean, yeah, I've got. I mean, when we come on to talking about like a bit further on, I've got my own kind of like my own spiel on antidepressants. Yeah, and, we'll be and talking a little the, bit about it last night, won't we? Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is a topic that I do want to discuss as we as we progress, which is the 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 ease 
uh, which medication is doled out uh, effectively. You know, it's the, the yeah. I think medication yeah. is given too quickly and too easily, and there's the there's a very there's a, a seems to be very um, common. Uh, thing with doctors and that they'll pre- prescribe you something just to see if it sticks and then if it doesn't they'll try something else and because this is what happened to me in fact while while yeah. we're here let's just let's just get into this this particular absolutely point well yeah the other thing to say about that before you before you um, yeah go ahead go on with that is that obviously giving somebody a pill to take is a lot quicker and cheaper than prescribing them with lengthy sessions of talking therapy so yes, of course if you want if you want that certainly in the uk where you know the the mental health offerings from the nhs are just criminally underfunded yeah. and it's just not a priority at all um you know i am currently in counseling and I. but i had to go out and find it by myself mm. you know i you know i i inquired briefly about the nhs offering and mm. waiting list were huge yeah and I so I was yeah. actually quite so, sorry go on no no I'm, I'm done <laughs> okay I was gonna say I was like back when obviously we're living in the Netherlands now and I've had a very like I will say um I've been I've had a, a, a fantastic experience here but I I will say by the same token um about about 10 years no probably a little bit like, like eight years ago yeah I would think so. um when I had um I had a very very severe breakdown um you know there were there were suicide attempts um in the multiples that you know that we're talking a very dark time you know i like multiple trips to the emergency room naomi coming home to find me in a pool of my own blood kind of kind of not good times um but i was very fortunate uh in that sense that i was put i was diverted into um a crisis team um and uh, in fact um one of our good friends kate Kate, um, she worked uh, alongside that crisis team and actually alongside the counsellor who worked with me uh, in that crisis team. Um, I forget the actual name of the team, but they were um, an early intervention service. Was it Cameo? Yes, it was. It was Cameo. Uh, And they were an early intervention service for um, people with um, psychosis symptoms because at the time I was hearing voices as well, Mm -hmm. just just to, you know, throw every you know literally kind of like all right what can go wrong let's throw it at the plate kind of thing um so i i was quite fortunate in that i i i literally just fell within because they only deal with like 18 to 25 and i was literally on the cusp of the 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 age limit of which they dealt with so i was very fortunate to fall into that which kind of fast-tracked me through having to go through any waiting list um and i i i underwent um cbt with them um yeah so but at the same time uh in tandem with that talking therapy i was also being prescribed one medication after another all the medications oh through that period of time i went so i mean talking let's let, let's go into the the actual medication discussion um so when i was originally uh i originally decided to seek help for mental health was when i was living with you and skelly mm-hmm. and we had a, we had a little competition in the house which is like who was the craziest <laughs> based on what medication and what dosage we were taking i was the sanest because <laughs> <laughs> i think we were all on citalopram yeah um and th- this is this is this is this is the the one that's so- the worst yeah. for me. I don't know if you've ever, ever... As, as soon as you've as soon as you said the word Citalopram, mm. I, I I kind of flinched there because oh. um mm. uh, carry on, but then I'll talk about it after you've. So I 
I went to my doc, my GP at the time, and you know, I, I basically uh, described the symptoms that you know I was self harming. Um, there was um, uh, like one of my main symptoms at that time was really self harm, just a general depression, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of anxiety. A lot of it was being brought on by uh, the job that I had at the time, which was I was working for. Rupert Murdoch's satanic company Sky selling in the doorway of Tesco's. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That that job that job broke me in a big way. Um, Yeah, and um, so yeah, I went to my doctor and he just was like, "Okay, you're depressed. Here's it's a Talipram." And the my experience of Talipram was. I felt like I was constantly coming off the end of a seven-day speed bender. Like, I was jittery. I was, like, paranoid. And I'd be like, like, like I had really bad restless leg syndrome from it. And I I, right. I also, now, I still, I still to this day, uh, am battling as part of my borderline. Uh, one of the, unfortunately, one of the other things that I battle with is um, uh, uh, an eating disorder. And that eating disorder did not present until I was first put on Citalopram. Um, so I don't, I'm not saying it was a direct cause, but I think cause it, it really upset my stomach and it got me into a pattern of regular vomiting. So I think it, it's, it, it, it did put that, it, it brought, it helped bring on that eating disorder. I'm not going to say it's directly responsible for it, but it was definitely a contributing factor. Um, mm. Now for me, when I was going back, I went back to the doctor and said, oh, this is not making me feel good. He just upped the dose. And that happened like three right. times until I was on like a pretty much the maximum dose that you, per day that you can get of citalopram. And I was just a mm. gibbering mess. Mm. <laughs> yeah. See, for me, like, yeah. so I was first diagnosed with depression officially when I was at university. I think looking back, I can say that, you know, I had it for a long time before that. But I just thought that mm-hmm. was what being a teenager was like. Um, yeah. And when I went to my doctor the first time, he prescribed me with fluoxetin, 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 fluoxetin. And he was like, you know, try this for two weeks, see how you feel. And I didn't make it two weeks. Like it made me so much worse. I kind of went back after a week and was like, you have to take me off this. And he he then put me on citalopram, which worked fine for me. And I know that makes me an outlier because everyone else I've spoken to who's taken it has been like, it's the worst. But for me, like it wasn't nice. I was a zombie while I was on it, but I was functional. Mm, Yeah. I'm mm. sorry to sorry to inject. I've just like knocked a cable and like one of the dial like the slider dials has just come off me. Make sure I have no idea which one it is. <laughs> I hope you don't need it. Um, well, I'm trying to figure out where to put that back. You were going to talk about citalopram as well, Ben. So I'll, uh... yeah, so citalopram. So so a quick introduction to my medication history. Then I guess so. I uh, first I was first offered antidepressants by the doctors four years ago almost exactly four years ago and it was about a month after my dad had died mm. which was the first close family bereavement that i'd had yeah and i wasn't dealing with it very well and i started having basically what happened was so i i would consider myself that i've probably suffered from depression since i was a teenager like you uh, mm-hmm. Naomi. Yep. and certainly have suffered very severe physical symptoms of anxiety since around 2008 mm-hmm. um which was when I had my first serious kind of panic attack. And um, so when I, so after my dad died, I started having, I started feeling, obviously I was very sad and I was going through a grieving process, but I started having these weird thoughts about, which I'd never had before about death. Mm. And I started thinking 
in a weird way, my dad being dead made me go, oh, dying's not that scary, really, is it? Because everybody's got to die and someone I know has just died. So would it be so bad if I died? And then as soon as that happened, I was like, it was like the seed of a suicidal thought. And I was mm. like, nope, I'm going to the doctor now because mm. I'm not, I don't like this. I don't like where that's headed. Mm. So I went to the doctor. And um, so I know a number of people who had taken citalopram in the past. So I was kind of forewarned about it. So my ex, um, my ex-girlfriend, who you will remember. Yes, of course. Uh, was Funny. on citalopram. Um, and, well, she was on it and off it a couple of times. Are we talking just previous ex, not previous previous ex? Just previous <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, okay. Just wanted to... One before current part. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So just wanted to make sure I'm on the right, so the right she one. she was yeah. on... Yeah, so she was on citalopram and I'd also watched her come off citalopram. Yeah. And she had a very bumpy ride both going on it and coming off it. And it did work for her, but the side effects were not good and also going on it and coming off it was both a, was a horrendous experience for her every time so i went to the when i went to the doctor because i was having these thoughts and i was feeling very down and all that kind of stuff i i had actually spoken to my current partner about this and she said citalopram is the first drug they're going to offer you um if you don't want it just say i don't i don't want citalopram and mm-hmm. they'll give you something else but you have to be really insistent. So that's exactly what I did. I went in there and I was like, look, I'm feeling very depressed. And I know the first thing you're good that's going to come out of your mouth when I stop talking is citalopram. But I don't want citalopram because I've heard of loads of people who've had a bad experience with it. It sounds like it seems to me that it's it seems to be the the, the sort of frontline drug that the NHS offers yeah. for anybody who, who goes in with symptoms of anxiety, depression, whatever. And while it might be effective, it seems like it's quite harsh, and the ride is quite bumpy at the start. It's and it, it can even it if it a, works for you, it's a literal crapshoot whether it's going to yeah. work for you or not. Yeah, absolutely, it is. All antidepressants are yeah. basically. Um, but you know, that's the first one that that they offer you. So I went in and I said, "No, I'm not having. I don't want citalopram. I've heard too many bad things." And they said, "Well, if you've heard bad things, then and you're going into that with a kind of negative mindset of." citalopram then it's probably not going to help you because you already feel like you don't trust it and so i got offered sertraline instead and okay. i was very lucky that that is the drug that well certainly that is a drug that worked for me and continues to work for me mm. and i've come off it uh before and gone back on it because i found it difficult to cope without it so i've been i've been i've been on it and off it in the past four years and i'm just so much more stable on it that's... In, and and it kind of, after a while, I sort of got used to it and felt like it wasn't doing much for me. So I came off it, and then I realised once I came off, what it was doing for me because I became so much more short-tempered and impatient and angry and nervous and stuff like that. All the kinds of stuff that I'd forgotten that I was before I went on it. I think and so. You know, for me, I was lucky to find that drug first time, but citalopram, yeah. I, I just. I didn't want anything to do with it because yeah. I'd heard so many bad things, and, uh, and I think you're just adding you're just adding to that for me. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think that's the thing as well. Like for for those people that um, 
medication does work for um like you say mm. it, it can be because i you know i've got I, i've no, I've a number of friends who've uh been on and off medication and one of the 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 common things that um i hear about them when they find a medication they work for uh, works for them and they they come off it if it's working for you you generally don't know it's working for you until you come off it mm-hmm. and then you're like yeah oh holy shit i'm a hot mess yeah. again <laughs> yeah you, be, you become accustomed to being functional, but you yeah. kind of, you know, you might have side effects that you don't like. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, sertraline has fairly mild side effects that I can very much live with. Mm. It does make it I, um, a lot harder. Sorry, finish. It does make sentence. it a lot harder to lose any weight, which is quite annoying. Yes, there's an issue with antidepressants. Since I've been on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, um, that was one. But, um, it's actually yeah. one of the things that scared, like, has always kind of like scared me the most because obviously I've got the eating disorder. I've got like, um, like what, as part and parcel of my uh, of the borderline. Uh, I'll come into a bit. I'll talk a bit more about all the, the the symptoms that come along with borderline as we progress through this. But one of the like parts, one of the things that I have is like body dysmorphia. Um, and, and as you well know, Ben, I used to be quite the big quite the big lad back in the day um, oh, we used to call you uh zangief yes yes uh and like uh, 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 my... in, a, in an affectionate way oh of course <laughs> of course but i like you know my my biggest i was like i mean you for, for those of you out there who don't use the the the, the imperial me- measurements uh you'll have to do the calculation but i was like 21 stone uh my biggest and i'm now down to something around i hover anywhere between like the 11 uh 11 well 11 to 11 and a half and 10 to 11 and a half mm, yeah, stone yeah i would say 10 is yeah uh about where i'm I, i'm at now so like i basically halved my body weight um yeah, yeah i i still yeah i still have that that feeling of being fat yeah and the, yeah. that's one of the things that, was all, that always scared me about um about all the medication that was on it's because one of the side effects of pretty much every medication out there is that yeah you it's either weight gain or you're not going to be able to lose weight yeah, kind of there's thing. always going to be something i mean i think with citalopram like i said i did get lucky in that it worked for me without any of the side effects or the horror stories i've heard from other people i do struggle to lose weight but i also think that's a birth control thing and i really like cake and <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't really want to give that up yeah um the thing i found with citalopram was like it made me functional. It made me not care that things might go wrong, which was very beneficial for anxiety, mm. especially when I was in my mid twenties and I was taking it. And I was in, you know, the awful university job with the horrible boss, um, yeah. who just made my life a living hell. And I was like, okay, I need to deaden everything so that this yeah. woman doesn't affect me. Yeah. But then later yeah. on, like after I came off it, I had talking therapy. I had a good period, and then later on, mm. again after my dad died, I was like. I'm not coping very well. I want to start taking mm-hmm. citalopram so I don't have to deal with how I feel. And I think yeah. that's the danger. It's just kind of the idea of like, oh, I'll just pop these drugs for a little bit until I feel like yeah. I'm okay again. Well, this is uh, yeah. this is the other thing because obviously, um, like I, you know, I'm, I'm getting quite open here. Is like I, I do have some substance abuse issues, uh, <laughs> rather heavy substance abuse issues at times, and um, like because. Um, BPD, one of the, the 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 so borderline personality disorder is is an emotional regulation disorder, um, and that's one of the reasons why uh, the 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 name is definitely under like that they want to look at renaming it because uh, what was the name the proposed name that uh, emotional instability disorder something like that there you go so like it it's largely characterized so 
how I explain it is basically it's kind of uh, imagine like having no skin and you just feel everything raw at 110 mm-hmm. percent all the time so it, mm-hmm. it's got its positives and its negatives obviously so when you're sad and when you're down you are the most sad and the most depressed and the most down that you could possibly when you're angry you are at peak anger every emotion is at its absolute peak but that also you know the positive side of that is that when you are happy and you're up you are the happiest happiest person in the world um and um where was i going with this uh, my substance so yeah obviously so uh, so yeah. uh, sorry um so one of the things that like for me when i'm uh, especially dealing with like anxiety um i i use um valium i take mm-hmm. a lot of valium i generally am take you know i can go like pretty much i'm like taking like between 40 to 60 milligrams of valium in a day um mm-hmm. just to dull my um, like dull my senses because Valium the way I've always described Valium it's the fuck it drug like it literally just turns off emotion if you right. in, in high enough doses and just knocks you the fuck out um, so like that's one of the things that I, I, I've i struggled with uh, um, in terms of um, mm. having to try and like not like you say you want to just turn off your emotions and you take a pill and that's that's um yeah and also i you know i I use other substances to alter my emotions um Mm -hmm. but in terms of other medications that i've been through like that that period of time um i I obviously with the citalopram i've been on fluoxetine which again Mm -hmm. probably had the least side effects of every any medication that i'd taken um yeah i've been on uh what was it that you're on again uh i can never pronounce it ben Sertraline. Sertraline. I've been on sertraline. Again, minimal side effects, but for me, like again, one of the Mm. common ones that I I had a lot across a lot of um, antidepressants was uh, uh, increased restlessness. um, The restless leg syndrome. mm -hmm. I remember, Mm -hmm. like, you had such bad restless leg syndrome for like forever. Yeah, I like it, and that's just like across the board with all uh, antidepressants I've been on, like I get horrific restless leg syndrome. Like my legs are just jittering constantly. And it's like, to the point where it's not a livable side effect. Like, you know, you're sat there, uh, you know, I'd be sat there at work and I'd just be like shaking and people like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I can't stop it. All right. It's just, (laughs) um, um, but I think by far, because obviously when I say I was I was hearing voices, I was also prescribed antipsychotic uh, mm. uh, called ketiapine. Um, and that right. is by far the most, oh, that was the worst that I've been on. Like I, at the time I was, I was, like I say, I was working in sales and I actually got sent home from work because they thought I, you know, I, 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 I came across drunk. I was slurring my words. I couldn't like focus properly. I basically was, completely monged and zombified out um and yeah it was one of the hard like i i stuck with it because it did the one thing it did do was um quiet down those voices in my head um which ultimately um, it was not a psychological thing was no it, it was so like i ended up being part of a study uh i i, I kind of fell into a study where i i was one of the people where they linked um psycho psychosis symptoms so um and I'll, I'll post a link to this in the show notes about the study that i was a part of but the uh, an antibody uh, being produced by my immune system in response to a microtumor was actually the, the the root cause of the uh psychosis symptoms so i was treated 
for that instead, like to to basically get like you know to flush my system of that antibody and those psychosis yeah. symptoms went away. Wow, that is absolutely wild. Mm. I did not know that. Yeah, that's, it, that's very strange, isn't it? The the brain. I mean, this is the ultimate thing about this. The brain is really fucked up. Brain is. I feel like I I've said this to a lot of people, but even if your brain is neurotypical, it's still a fucking mess. <laughs> you know, at the yeah. best of times, it's still kind of tricking you into into how you perceive the world. So if you mm. add in anxiety depression mm. bipolar borderline anything then yeah it's just it, it makes it messier so yeah and, i mean and the one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast as well is like because i wanted to let people know out there that like i think a lot of people out there feel like they're the only ones like it can be a very isolating thing um, oh absolutely uh mental health um and recently, because I've I've been having a very very rough time recently, um, I've I've kind of stumbled across a lot of things just in Instagram, uh, which the weirdest place to find it. But um, found a lot of people that I've ended up talking to um, suffer from the same disorder, like um, borderline, especially. Um, the statistics on it are quite um, quite interesting. I mean, I've only managed to find like statistics. Um, uh, regarding the US uh, in terms of like prevalence, uh, but it's about 1.6% of the percent of the population uh, in America alone um, has suffered yeah, with a borderline personality. So it's over 4 million hmm. people. And you think how what? often it's likely to be misdiagnosed as bipolar, the numbers are probably actually very different. M- misdiagnosis with borderline is a big problem. Yeah. Um, I think it's it is one of those things that, seems quite mysterious because people hear the name and they go what on earth does that mean yeah so, and, and it, it almost sounds like it almost sounds like if someone says borderline personality disorder when i first heard it i was like so what does that mean they don't they kind of have a yeah. they're kind of on the edge what of having that, a personality disorder the, what's that line in girl interrupted where she's yeah. talking about her diagnosis and yeah. she's like borderline between what and what and they yeah. can't tell yeah. her. <laughs> yeah no no, so, I mean, it's a really weird. It's a really weird name, and I'm not surprised they're considering renaming it because it just doesn't make a lot of sense mm-hmm. to me. Like I say, um, it is an emotional regulation disorder, and it's one of the reasons yeah. why, generally speaking, it's not treated with uh, medication because it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not something that can be treated with medication. It's not also. It's also not something that ever goes away. Now. Um, the so the 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 main um like categories of symptoms are you have uh emotional instability which is like the key like that's like the core of of borderline personality disorder like emotional regulation and emotional instability um disturbed patterns of thinking or perception um so cognitive distortions uh like you'll have you may have um disassociative episodes um uh you you may perceive things differently um you have it like paranoia um there's there's a whole host of um altered states of thinking that could become that can become uh that come along as part of uh part of the borderline personality disorder kind of encompassing yeah. diagnosis not everyone with bpd suffers with every aspect of this like i tend not to have too many of the dissociative episodes uh mm-hmm. but i do suffer a lot with paranoia uh um, you have the, the the fear of abandonment i think that's, yeah uh, that's one of that's that's a, that's key a real key one um a lot of 
people have uh, is a fear of abandonment um a lot of trust issues uh and it that that kind of leads to intense and uh, unstable relationships with other friends because you know uh, people with borderline can come across as very clingy uh or mm -hmm. what they not even come across it can be very clingy and very needy um i mean mm -hmm. like hell how many times when you've been going away have i got us I, I've started an argument because <laughs> yeah. you'd be going away for like a night and I'll start mm. an argument because, and it's not that I, I'm angry. It's like, like, it's I just, a, it's a bit of a defense mechanism. That's yeah. how I've always interpreted it. And, you know, like I won't, I won't spill our, our dirty laundry or whatever, but yeah, there've been times when I've gone away for a weekend or whatever. And it's almost like part of your brain is like, well, she might not come back. So I'll just tell her to fuck off right now. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. That, no, that's exactly how, that's exactly it. Um, and again, one of the other things that is like it, impulsive behavior um, is uh, very, very common. Um, and that that can be that, you know, that that's partially where my, you know, like some of my substance abuse comes from. I'm very impulsive when it comes to um, uh, like my uh, I can be very impulsive purchaser. Mm. Definitely. I like, I, you know, I mean, hell, I have. If you just look at the amount of tattoos that I've, I've got since since uh, since moving to Amsterdam, would you give you an idea of how many? um uh like how impulsive i can be because a lot of that like um my calf tattoo and my um one of my tattoos that i had on my arm i literally kind of like was saw the guy's designs on instagram phoned him up and was like right dude yeah in next day boom 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 kind of thing um mm -hmm. but uh some of the some of the other like so this is the nice this is the 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 some of the symptoms, like a quick listing, rejection sensitivity, fear of abandonment, um, like I say, intense and stormy personal relationships, self-harming behavior. And that can range uh, from a number of, in a number of different things. Um, like obviously the, the most common one being cutting um, uh, can, for me as well, it's uh, part of my eating disorder, the purging, uh, the extreme mm -hmm. emotions, like, and along with the extreme emotions is the long lasting emotions. And that's where it can become really, difficult because you're um and i was doing the diagram i was doing a little diagram to kind of explain it to naomi so like, like you, if you imagine uh your emotional like you've got like a what the xy xy mm -hmm. diagram what are they called i think they're just called xy axis x yeah you've got like your xy axis and you've got your line going up of, of your emotional state now a normal person would go up and then cut back down but someone with borderline will go up and then another emotional hit before that one has come back down, like further heightening that emotional state. And then that keeps building and building and building. Right. Um, so it's kind of cumulative. Yes. Yes. Rather than. So yeah, um, okay. then you also have uh, suicidal behavior. Um, and, you know, this is like me being very, very open and honest. I literally had a suicide attempt on Tuesday, just gone. Um, so it's, that's a very real thing. In fact, um, borderline personality disorder has one of the highest suicide rates of any uh, mental health um, illness or diagnosis uh, in the world. It's around 10% of people with BPD commit suicide. Um, and then also you have like, again, intense anger and emotional outbursts, uh, feelings of helplessness, uh, hopelessness, um, difficulty this and this is one of the really key things is difficulty identifying and labeling emotions so you'll feel intense emotion but you may not really be able to actually understand what emotion it is that you're feeling 
and that's that 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 can make it very very hard to to live within and also make it very hard to communicate to people what's happening yeah. because if you don't understand what you're feeling how can you tell someone else um and then you've got also the the, the self-loathing and the self-punishment like one of the most common things that you'll find across bpd sufferers um is an intense self-hatred um mm-hmm. and a lot of um a lot of people with bpd um suffer, you know it, it have suffered some some form of childhood trauma um mm-hmm. um or some some kind of trauma in their past it, it, it that's a very common thread mm-hmm. among people um and some of the bpd myths which you know it, and it are not true uh it's quite often thought that people with BPD are manipulative when actually it's quite the contrary. Uh, it's more likely that uh, someone with BPD would be manipulated rather than be the manipulator. Um, they, it's also like because of the intense emotions and the stormy personal relationships, that, that thought, that kind of um, stigma that they like, you know, people with BPD like drama. Uh, and that's not the case. I mean, like, you know, personally speaking, I hate um, like, when you know when intense emotional like confrontations and things like that i it's because it's so painful and it's so damaging um yeah so yeah. like you know also the thought that the selfish and needy and that's and there is uh you know there is it's not that necessarily they're selfish or needy it's the it's they're so you know people like we're so scared of being left alone and the we may come across like we try to make everything about ourselves or, you know, and we and can be a little bit over clingy. Um, mm. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's a kind of overview of, uh, of borderline. Sorry. I, I prattle on a little bit about that. <laughs> no, then. no, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, one of the reasons why, you know, when I, when we first got in touch about this yeah. and I said, you know, if you're doing an episode on mental health, I'd love to be involved. It's because I don't know. Well, I did. I obviously I know more now, but I didn't know that much about borderline personality disorder, and I wanted to know more. And specifically, I wanted to know more from your perspective. So it's somebody who actually has it. It's interesting you should say that because up until fairly recently, because obviously I was diagnosed with it originally when I was. Um, I think you did. You did get a diagnosis when we were back in the UK, but there was no real follow up on it. And no. I don't know if that's because there was no follow up available or. <laughs> It was just like, well, we've told you what's wrong with you. Now move on. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, I don't know what it was. And obviously, I've, we've said you know, mental health care in the UK is criminally mm, underfunded. Yes, it, it's so hard to get help for really simple things, let alone something this yeah. complex. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah. I, I have actually. It was one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode because um, obviously I've been in treatment now. Um, um, for about. Did we start in March? Because it was just after. Yeah lockdown started here wasn't it yeah so i've been i've been in treatment since uh basically since since the pandemic lockdown started um which uh, which has made things like obviously like that's made that's one of the things that i found very very difficult to deal with as well um so and and during that time i've learned a lot more about um the disorder about uh the disorder itself because you know i i didn't really understand it until i started being treated for it because right. the treatment for it. Um, in fact, I'll tell you what, um, I just noticed, I'm just I'm actually noticing on the time. So I'm gonna, what we're going to do is take a quick, take our usual quick break because uh, um, 
I am sweating my balls. <laughs> this room is hot as hell, so I need to open the door, let some air through, go to the toilet, grab a fresh drink. And when we come back, I'll actually talk. I'm actually going to go in and talk about a little bit more about the actual treatment side of things. Um, um, and then uh, also, because uh, I know you uh, were talking, you mentioned about the anxiety uh, and panic attacks that you've had. I do want to delve into that as well because that's something that I've dealt with myself um, yeah. very recently so I, I'd be really interested to hear your uh, your perspectives on that as well and um, yeah and we'll just generally yeah. shoot some more shit so, uh, cool. so uh, we'll be back very very shortly um, stay tuned enjoy whatever music I decide to fucking slam through the mi- in the middle of the- actually do you know what in honour of our guest you're going to get some buzzard king during the break <laughs> Oh, thanks, man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right, we'll be back very shortly.
the little musical interlude there. Um, so, just before the break, as we were saying, uh, I was going to go on to talk about um, the uh, treatment for borderline personality disorder. Um, and this is the thing, like, to, to all the anyone out there who's listening um, who is suffering from BPD, I do... I stress this. I, I can't stress this enough. Even though you know, right now, um, you know, I've been having a hard time. There is, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and there is um, a proven treatment. Um, now, the treat, the treatment isn't your typical therapeutic treatment, and it's not a medication-based treatment, but it has got an incredibly good success rate. So I, um, the treatment is called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, or DBT. Uh, and it was created by a woman called Marsha Linham, I believe the name is. Um, I'll put uh, proper, the proper details of this in the show notes. Um, it's quite fascinating because she created this treatment because she herself suffered from borderline personality disorder. And there was nothing there for her. So she she actually, you know, she studied psychology and developed her own treat her own treatment regimen for borderline. Um and like I say, it's got uh I think the 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 if you look at people treated uh, who make it through the entire course, you're looking at around a 75% uh, of people who uh, are treated with DBT see are uh, it's not like it's necessarily you see you see a remission in symptoms but they see an improvement of their quality of life and they are better able to manage um the 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 symptoms that come with borderline um awareness and then a follow-up study showed that out of those seven uh some of that 75 percent um that did see an improvement in quality of life um 60 i think it was like something like around 56 to 60 percent of those uh were still having a better quality of life 12 months down the line after the treatment had ended so it is a very a very effect proven effective treatment and um it's built up of multiple um sections and it's 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 less it's on it's almost more like a training than it is a therapy and that's how i kind of like how it teaches you skills to manage your emotions um and to uh help regulate help get you through when you're what's turned in in dbt is a crisis which is when you're a high like a heightened emotional state when you're potentially like self-harming indulging in um your your destructive behaviors and one of the first things that happens uh as part of the treatment is you identify um your destructive behaviors um in fact let me open up uh the document my doc my document here i'm not going to go into the ins and outs of it uh but it's uh, at least um, gives me the cycle so you identify your problem behaviors or destructive behaviors your uh triggers so this could be you know this could be for anything uh from um you know something like for me like when i make a mistake um i judge myself very very harshly on making that mistake um then you also um identify identify your emotional vulnerabilities and these are the these can be things such as um these can range from a, a lot of things like for past 
childhood trauma traumas or you know other kind of trauma um even physical things like for, for me one of my emotional vulnerabilities was um like uh the you know the hernia and the back problems that i've suffered with um and being overweight um and then you look at uh the consequences you also identify the short and long-term consequences of your, those problem behaviors and that's kind of all documented down um along with the goals that you want to accomplish uh throughout the course of the dbt so like you're saying by the end of the dbt i want to have be doing x y improved x y z of my life like just taking uh some of mine in examples like i want to be less judgmental about my uh, towards myself um and i want to reduce my suicidal thoughts um and also um reduce uh, take more control over my substance abuse and you know i'm not saying i'm ever going to completely reduce it but i want to be able to control it a lot more um it's, it's, it's about setting realistic goals as well um so the way it's it's, it's a very structured um ther therapy uh so it takes it takes uh 12 months uh for a full cycle of dbt um and it's broken into sections uh those sections are general uh and mindfulness um mindfulness is it's kind of at the core of a lot of uh the treatment for dbt um there's every dbt session starts with a mindfulness exercise and this these are really i like i can't look i can't stress this enough dbt is a very hard thing to commit to because it, it like it is it does require a lot of work and i can completely understand why some people may not feel ready uh and may not feel like it's it's daunting it's been intimidating for me i've questioned um multiple times whether this is the right course of action for me uh because it's hard it's really really hard uh but it, it is also really um beneficial because it's made up of both one-on-one -on -one and group sessions the group sessions kind of reinforce that yes it's hard but there are other people that are going through this as well and are finding it hard and because it's you kind of cycle in and cycle out so i'll come back to the stages so you the the, the sections you basically do a few weeks of general uh, mindfulness then you go into distress tolerance then uh, you go into more general general mindfulness. Then it's, uh, I believe, emotional regulation. Um, then you go back to general mindfulness. Then it's interpersonal effectiveness. And then you go back to general mindfulness. And then it's kind of, that takes you through a full year. Um, the, the, those are done over a certain amount of weeks. I don't have the exact kind of like week span to hand, but that's those are how it's broken down. And you can enter... Um, dbt at the beginning of any one of those sections um and then you you just stay until you've completed through all the the main sections uh across 12 months so it's very interesting because you've like in, um i don't obviously i'm not going to go into any details about my group because there's a lot of confidentiality involved in that but um there are people who've been who are coming towards the end of uh their treatment so that they're, they're kind of the seniors in the group and then there are people who've just entered like myself and there are people kind of midway through so it's it it's really 
it's really affirming to see that, you know, there are the people that have just entered like you that may be struggling um, uh, to know that you're not alone, but also to see those people that are coming towards the end of the, their time in the course. And you can see that, yes, they're still, there are, there are, they still have their problems, but their, their ability to cope has, has improved with the skills that have been taught. Um, yeah, that that must be hugely encouraging to to have that experience of seeing people coming towards the end of the treatment and seeing that they're doing better and hearing them say that. Yes, it must be it, it fantastic because that sounds like a really great aspect of it. It really, I think, it, I think it really is. Yeah, yeah, I think. Sorry to interject. No, no, no. Please it, carry on. It kind of feels to me like um, a lot of people are scared to, you know, they might be feeling people might be feeling you know very unwell they might be scared to enter treatment because they they think oh you know if i if i start trying it's going to be a long hard road and i'm going to have to stick to it and i don't know if i can do that yeah and i think it's really important in mental health treatment to give people that that light at the end of the tunnel and to help them see the the success stories yeah early on so i think that's i think that's really great it it, it, it is and it's one of the things that has actually really helped me because in those times where mm. i have questioned do I have the strength for this? And because uh, mm. um, ev- the way you have, you have like it, like I say, it's quite intense because you you have homework to do. I have, like you know, it's mm. it's almost like being back in school in a way. After yeah. every group session, we're given homework which we have to do for the next group session, and also you have mm-hmm. to keep um, a diary card of your. Um, so every day I have to fill out a diary card, which where I rate a lot of my emotions and I give a description of what's been mm-hmm. going on. Um, and like I say, there's a I have a weekly group session and I have a weekly one-on-one session, um, and you have um, I have my own personal. You would normally term them therapists, but in DBT, it's called coach, my own personal coach. Uh, and that's who I have my one-to-one sessions with. And we review my weekly diary cards in those one-to-one sessions and discuss, um, you know, the the emotional peaks that uh, that I've had, um, what uh, skill, if I have, like, you know, if I've employed the skills that have been being taught and if I didn't, why didn't I, how can I go about employing those um when this if this situation arises again um so it's it, again like i say it's almost like having uh uh if you think about like kind of like having a personal trainer in a way mm. um and there's also the the other side of things as well which is um your personal coach you have they are available for you 24 hours a day seven days a week i like i have mm. the phone number if i feel like i'm going into crisis or i'm i and you know you don't always succeed at this. This is the one thing to to be really clear. And and if any any of you are in DBT and you've you know you because this happened to me enough times, I I find it very hard to. The idea is that if you're going into crisis or you're about to indulge in a or about to uh, take part in a, a, a harmful or one of your problem behaviors or destructive behaviors, is that you call your coach um, if you're not able to employ the skills to to prevent it. Um, and for me myself as well, and, and I think this this would be the truth for a lot of people with BPD, that 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 act of reaching out is very hard because your self worth is so low that yeah. it makes it really hard to um, to actually reach out. Now, I have only called my my coach once, and this was um, after uh, on Tuesday after. M- like I started self-harming and I was, this is the first time I'd actually cut myself in just over a year. And, um, it escalated very, very rapidly to the point where I, 
I, I think I, I, I mean, you could see the the wound was the final wound at the point where where I called Naomi and then called my coach was a very very severe one, and I I was literally a millimeter or two away from opening a proper vein, actually it being a lot more serious than it was. Um, mm-hmm. But I called my coach after speaking to Naomi. I like some, and he talked to me. Um, he was he was very direct with me. Um, you know, he was very, very uh, calming, but direct. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. gave me instructions, take the razor blade, throw that away. Um, go put your head under cold water. Because one of the, one of the skills uh, that's a part of uh, BPD is um, the tip. It's called tip. Um, but it's to do with using... Um, temperature um to change your emotional state so if you shock your system with like ice cold water on your head it slows your heart rate down it um it induces that same you know that that kind of um if you fall in ice cold water how like your body just immediately kind of stiffens up and then your heart rate slows and all that it puts you into that survival mode and it calm it can really help to calm a heightened emotional state mm-hmm. for someone with bpd um, so that, that was one of his instructions to me. And then obviously with the, the final one was go to the hospital. I had to go and have stitches and stuff. And, and, yeah. you know, I, I'm still here. So it was, mm-hmm. all, it was, it, it was, I will say all good in the end, but you know, it was, it was what it was yeah. and it got through it. And, um, I actually mm-hmm. don't think, I don't know if I would have got through it without the DBT. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. even before, um, the DBT, like even before I called my coach, I employed uh, one of the the DBT skills, which is known as the stop skill, which is basically yep. where you you like whatever you're doing, you just stop, and you then actually have to take it take a step back and actually analyze. Um, mm. Analyze. I'm just seeing if I can actually find it in the. Uh, um, here we go. The stop skill. Uh, so yes, it's broken down to, so stop, take a step back, observe and proceed mindfully. And this is the core of DBT. It's all about trying to balance your mind and act in a mindful scenario. So there's a concept uh, in DBT of the emotional mind, the logical mind, and I believe it's the wise mind, which is the, the perfect, the, 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 the perfect marriage of the, both the emotional and the logical um there are some hippie bullshit terminologies thrown around in dbt i'm just i'm not gonna lie like one of the the mindfulness exercises is like go outside hug a tree mm-hmm. really feel what it's like to. i'm like oh, fuck you i'm not hugging a tree <laughs> i think that the mindfulness as a treatment is becoming a lot more i don't want to say prevalent but so when we were still in the uk do you remember like a maybe three years ago now i went through quite a bad anxious depression period but i didn't want to go back on medication so i spoke to my doctor and he was like you need to practice mindfulness and at first i was just like i don't even know what that means like what i i'm very aware of how i feel and it's Uh, shit that's the problem (laughs) but it is it is i think becoming a lot more broadly recognized as an option versus just like here's your pills off you go Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you have 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 ever tried any mindfulness ben um, I would say that I've kind of developed, I've cobbled together my own sort of mindfulness mm. over a period of time, but I don't, 
I don't follow any kind of, you know, formal mindfulness procedures. I've never been. No, I, I mean, I read a lot at that point because, mm. you know, it was yeah. something I wasn't really familiar with. I was like, okay, well, I'll read about it. And if I can find something that works, that's great. And yeah, like I feel, a lot yeah. of it feels quite alien. A lot of the things they suggest it's, you do feels like this is not who I am as a person. It's very difficult to The one start. thing I did start doing that I've, I still do, you know, I've got that jar in the witch cave full of pink slips of paper. Yeah. Every day I just write down one thing that made me happy or made me smile. Like, and some days I can't find anything, but most days I can find at least one thing. And then you're like, okay, if nothing else, at least I fucking enjoyed my Ben and Jerry's today, or at least I saw a nice dog, you know? I, I wondered what that was, because I, I opened, I, like, I didn't mean You've to buy You've been reading my affirmations. I didn't, I didn't, like, I was just in there the other day, and I was, I was getting, it was when I was getting the coconut, yeah. I was just like, what is this? And I opened it up, and I was like... Just ran, I can't remember what it was either, like the word, but I because it was something that we, I might have been something we'd done, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just that. that okay, so now yeah, I that's know what but, it is. Okay, yeah, that's, that's what it is. So I mean, for me, mindfulness um, is probably one of the more challenging aspects of that because my mind is so. Ah, is the only way I can describe it. My mind is. Ah. <laughs> Anyone who's listened to this podcast, anyone who's listened to this podcast for some some period of time, will probably know that my mind is because it, it yeah. kind of comes out a lot. I don't but, know. Some, sometimes, a, sometimes a guttural sound works better than a word. You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I I get what you mean just from you making that sound. It makes mm. a lot of sense. Yeah. So the um, mindfulness practices can be very very difficult. But one of the things that um, again is core to the DBT is to remove to to, to remove judgment uh from uh to, to not judge like when you are doing these mindfulness exercises if you are distracted um the the idea is like acknowledge that you're distracted and then go back to the you know don't judge about it just acknowledge it and then go back to the return back to the mindfulness exercise and it takes practice it really really does and this is one of the this is one of the things that makes dbt quite hard is because you do need to practice the skills when you don't need them because the more that you practice right. these skills yes when you don't need them the easier they are to use when you do yeah. and well it's yeah I, I i totally that that definitely resonates with me because it's very easy when things are going well it's very easy to go ah oh, things are going well right now la 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 i'll just do what i want and i won't worry about practicing all the things that i was doing when things were difficult and then you get out of the habit of it and kind of thing and it's like because this is one of the reasons i want because i think there are some certain skills within dbt especially um in terms of uh the uh across distress tolerance and the mindfulness that i think could mm. uh be really beneficial for uh people with anxiety issues uh as you mentioned before um I, i'm not sure if it was before we actually came on air that you know you've had uh severe anxiety problems mm. um mm. so it, like, it actually i've i've talked for a while i'm gonna open the floor <laughs> to you to, like so you were saying about the panic attacks that you've had yeah so that was that was like a physical manifestation of something that had been building for a long time in me i think because i think the root of my anxiety and the bouts of depression that sort of come from it because essentially what happens to me is i get very anxious uh over a period of time because i'm in the almost subconsciously i'm worrying about something and i'm not dealing with it and i'm kind of repressing myself emotionally to not deal with it mm -hmm. and sort of going la 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 everything's fine <laughs> just ignore that thing in the back corner of my brain that's getting bigger and bigger yep 
Um, and I use all kinds of avoidance tactics. You know, it used to be when I was younger, you know, a fair bit of drugs. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, today, just think, I just even remember when you stopped smoking weed. Yeah. Well, we'll get onto that yeah. because that is that was quite an important point. Um, so, um, yeah. So even today, you know, things like playing computer games even when i'm not really enjoying the game still i'm still going to play it because it means it, i can focus all of my brain on it and i don't mm -hmm. have to think about the emotions um and essentially what happens is the they build and build and build and the thing that i was worrying about a little bit at first gets a lot worse because i start thinking i haven't dealt with it i should have dealt with it why haven't i dealt with it oh god what's wrong with me why can't i just fucking deal with it and I get that that's that's procrastination, which is pretty much something that pretty much everybody does yeah. all oh, time. Yeah. time. <laughs> but yeah. I would say that my anxiety stems from being a chronic procrastinator and also yes. being someone who who. <laughs> Amen. Who, yes. Who, I I I didn't necessarily train myself to be a to be a, a diligent person or a hard worker when I was growing up. I didn't really learn those skills. Mm. So if something's easy and I'm naturally good at it, it's great. But if mm. something's hard, if I'm rubbish at something you can almost guarantee that I'm going to give up on it a number of times if yeah. I even persist with it at all. And um, that's essentially where the anxiety stems from. And then the depression comes from that because I have the anxiety about it. I obsess over why I can't do the thing, even if it's a very silly, simple thing, like mm -hmm. calling someone to come around and like our, our oven is kind of dying right now. And so I knew I had to call somebody to, to, to come around and, and, look at getting a new well boring electrician stuff but yeah. <laughs> the, the the electrics in the house need sorting before we can put a new oven in because new ovens need more power and it doesn't have enough power blah 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 but i got real real anxiety about calling an electrician because it's a person i didn't know and i don't like talking on the phone yep and uh you know and as a middle class person i have anxiety about talking to working class people <laughs> you feel like being judged you know i yeah. think we're all familiar with that yeah um, i mean so anyway especially all I... that stuff and and i and i did it but everything everything i do like that is effort you know mm -hmm. mental effort to yeah. to get over the hump of anxiety about doing it and i know it's going to be fine when i do it I, I do it and i can get over it but sometimes i just can't get over that hump yeah yeah and if i if I can't get over that initial hump, sometimes it just leads to a long tail of not dealing with it, wishing I dealt with it, chastising myself for not dealing with it. Again, is you know similar to what you were saying, um, Nero, about um, self-loathing. I yes. think it it, 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 it it transforms into self-loathing, and it kind of then I start adding it to the pile of all the things in in my head where where times where I've done this, and I kind of go, why do I keep making this same mistake? Why can't I just fucking do it? And and it becomes depression because I just think I'm hopeless. I'm never going to get better. I'm always going to be rubbish at doing the thing because I can't just make myself do the thing. Mm. And that's when the depression comes in. And I just kind of emotionally shut down. You know, it used to be that I would go into a, a depressed state for, for, for days, you know, up to about a week, probably where I'd just be miserable. Didn't mm. want to talk to anybody. Just walking around going, I'm hopeless, staying in bed, not going to school or university or whatever I was doing at the time, not going to work, et cetera, et cetera. And that's something that's happened on and off throughout my life. Um, but yeah, and one of the really frustrating things about it actually is that finding it difficult to do the thing extends to the treatment for anxiety as mm. well. Yes. So you were talking about DBT and the fact that you need to meticulously you know, take notes, record your emotions. Yes. And, and I find, essentially, I, it essentially form habits where you write stuff down diligently I, and do the thing. And I'm shit and at I it. Can't, <laughs> yeah. 
Me too. I just can't do it. Like we're, I've been in, I've been in counselling for a couple of years, and we've tried so many things that have worked for a little while. Yeah. And they've worked past the point where you know there's a lot of stuff about there about how it how long it takes to form a habit. Yes. A positive or a negative habit, and it's like. I don't know, three to four weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I can I can quite often go beyond that if I'm doing something and it's beneficial for me. I can get to like six to eight weeks. And then it's just kind of like I take the day off doing it. And then I take two it days takes off doing it. To, and it's then... one thing just it's like this, you let go. Um, and it... It's derailment. Yeah. I think yeah. I've, I've talked about this in my, yeah. my writer Facebook group. If I get derailed from something, it takes me a long time to get back on track. Yeah. And that yeah. that's definitely Absolutely. a kind of a... Yeah. an offshoot of my Which, anxiety it's like okay now i yeah. need like five days to get over this thing and then i can start thinking about getting back to normal yeah and it's so frustrating because then i start because then i start going well, you know this is the most important thing that i could be doing for myself mm. and i think part of me part of me inside is is sort of self-sabotaging and going yeah you know almost you don't deserve to get better because you're a shit person look at all this shit you've done that's really crap or haven't done and you don't deserve to get better. So just stop trying because you don't deserve that life. That you is, should just be, yeah. That is and a train of thought that I, I deal with, yeah, completely yeah. on a daily and, basis. And, and this has been going on for, so I'm 35 now. It's been going on since I was, what, 17, something yeah. like that. I probably had that procrastination issue long before that mm. in school. Um, always found it very hard to finish things in school. Yeah. I can agree. Um, I can identify with that. Finish off projects, even small things. Um, I, I I can't tell you how many times yeah. back in school where the, the project was due and I did the whole thing the night before because I was just yeah. like, don't want to touch it, don't want to touch it, don't think about it, don't think about it. And then the night before, it's like, oh shit, no sleep, just all night, <laughs> pulling all night to do yeah. my work. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that was like most of my school life <laughs> when yeah. I actually went to school. <laughs> but I think you know, you 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 eventually. I think you have to make a choice. You, I think eventually what happens is for people out there who think they might have a uh, some kind of mental health disorder or mental illness or whatever you call it and have never been treated for it, I think it is important to say that mental health, assuming it's not just taking drugs because that's an imperfect solution, yeah. mental health treatment and helping yourself out of a mental health kind of hole is is really hard yes it's um, worth it but to a certain extent you have to hit you have to hit some kind of bottom yeah where you actually feel like you is a combination of this is really shit and i've been it's either i feel so shit that i have to do something about it or i've been dealing with this for so long and feeling so shit about it that i have to do something now because i don't want to spend the rest of my life like this exactly and you also have to yeah if there's you know if you find if you've never had treatment and there's one moment where you go, I've had enough of this, I want to seek treatment, follow that instinct and do it then and there. I would grab that moment and, and do it because uh, that's something I'm so glad I did because yeah. I'm yeah. definitely not, you know, I, I still suffer and I have setbacks and I, um, you know, I still have anxiety. I still have bouts of depression, but... The anxiety is not nearly as bad as it was. The depression episodes are much, much shorter than they used to be. You know, they're, they're, they've gone from when I was completely untreated, a week long episode to it might be a few hours max now. Yeah, that's and that, that's, that, that's really and that's good. what you going back to what you were saying about quality of life. Right. My yeah. quality of life is so much better. Mm. Um, and I want, yeah. one thing I wanted to say in terms of like that, that, that it is 
speaking from experience, it is it takes a, a massive amount of um, bravery and a massive mm. amount of inner personal strength to actually take mm. that first step to seek help. And to anyone yeah. out there that does that, can like you know, kudos to you. Like even mm. if you don't that first try, that you you may not succeed. Uh, it may take you know there are there are people who have um so the with the dbt's thing if you miss four sessions you basically kind of cycle out and you have to wait again until uh, a, an appropriate time for you to rejoin the session because if you miss more, four sessions in a row you've missed too much to to continue in that session and there have been yeah. you know there are, there are there are there are people that, that have, have been through the dbt cycle multiple times before they get it down it's something yeah. but as long as you keep that that you have that 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 um desire to get better that and you keep re-engaging even if it takes 10 20 attempts even if you're doing it for the rest of your life the the fact that you're doing it at all you should be incredibly proud of yeah 100% because Absolutely. it takes Absolutely. so much it takes so much strength to accept that yes i do have a problem and i need help but it takes even just an inordinate amount of uh, of strength that a lot of people don't realise they have, and they don't. A lot of people don't realise that they've engaged in to actually reach out and seek that help. Mm. So, yeah, anyone who and it may take people time to get to that point. Um, and also, the other thing that I would say is like you have your own personal strength, but the one thing I've learned throughout the years is there is if you have those people or if you if you're fortunate enough to have those people around you that love you and that care for you deeply uh it's okay to lean on them for the strength as well if they if they're willing to to give that strength then and you need it then use it but treasure it as well because it's not something that everyone in this world gets yeah absolutely mm. i think it's i think it's important to say as well that that like yes it it takes a lot of it takes a big effort to yeah. take that first step and it takes a lot of strength and bravery, but I think everybody has that inside them. I do. Yeah, as well. I do. 100%. As I was saying before, I think it's, um, I think it's all about seizing that moment where yeah. you go, okay, things are really shit. I don't want them to be shit anymore. I'm going to do something about it and yeah. seizing that moment and, and taking that action and that first step. And that is, that in itself is an amazing thing that you're doing because, yes, completely. um, you know, you, you're, you're essentially, you know, a lot of uh, mental health disorders. You're 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 battling your own brain or parts of your own brain in yeah, a sort of a fight. Yeah. It, and it, not it, necessarily a life or death thing, but the when I say live, I mean you know have quality of life yeah. and have a life that is enjoyable in some aspect. And you know, if you're living miserably and you you know have been doing it so long, you kind of develop thoughts that you know maybe you in some sense deserve it if you can pull yourself out of that and say no i don't deserve this i deserve better i'm gonna do better then that's that's amazing but i think anyone can do it and it's it, it's it all a specific circumstance it might be a moment but yeah. everyone can do it i mean for me personally as well like i i still i still have that 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 intense self-hatred but the strength where i draw where where i've drawn my strength to push through and to to seek treatment and is that 
I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm doing it for Naomi. I'm doing it for my friends. I'm doing it for everyone else as well as myself. So, like, for those people that do have, struggle to find that, 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 that do, like, have that self-worth, that, that, that that yeah. th- that struggle with their own self worth and that that maybe they're sat there thinking I'm not worth this help. If you've got people in your life that you love, think about use that as well. That's I mean that's that was what helped me. That was one of the pushing like tipping points for me. Um, yeah. You know, um, seeing the 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 hardship that I was putting Naomi through at times that drove me to be like, no, I want. I I want better for not just me, but I want better for her. I want better for us, as well. Yeah. I, and I and you know I am I am incredibly lucky to have Naomi in my life and someone who's stuck with me through all this shit. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I know not everyone is 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 that fortunate, but if if you are um a, and you have that person, then. That, that, yeah. that in itself is proof that you're not as shit as you think you are because <laughs> yeah, if you were, absolutely. that person not would not be there. Yeah, absolutely. Hardly, hardly anyone is, well, my argument would be no one is irredeemably shit. No, and I think everyone... There, there might be people out there who, who are so unhappy, you know, and so clouded by their own sort of problems and their yeah. own brain that they're thinking, I don't have anyone. When in fact, quite a lot of the time you you do, and you don't necessarily. You might have lost sight of it, yeah. Or you don't necessarily realize it. You might be closer friends with someone than you realize, and even somebody you don't know that well might be willing to step in and help if you. Yeah, reach out. I think that's and, something we've definitely seen over the past few weeks. Is yeah, yeah. Because obviously, uh, I mean, as you you've probably seen Ben on my Facebook, my Facebook has been plagued with like because for me, uh, one of the outlets because I can't, I find it hard to express my emotions. But recently, I've been doing that a lot through posts on facebook of just like you know anime meme type pictures and things like that that have just helped me kind of put what i'm feeling down into some form and for me it's almost like another form of emotional diary um but it's been very surprising like the amount of people that have have actually reached out and uh you know and it's been really like people that i i you know it's not the people always the people that you expect which no. it, it has been very surprising. Like, um, I was actually, um, like, I was talking to Martin ping me the other night. And mm. I was talking to him, I was actually talking to him again last night and just saying thank you because this was the, the, the this was the night um, after I'd been, uh, I'd, I'd cut my arm and we got back from the hospital. And I, I basically spent the night in my, in, in my, in my studio and I was drinking heavily and I was spiraling back down a hole. And mm. I, I was on the verge of, doing something i was on the verge of doing something very very stupid and i just got a ping on facebook from martin which was just a hey remember this time when it was like one of the first times me and him ever just hung out by ourselves and we just drank a bottle of whiskey and played wrestling games and he was just like at that point he was just saying like that point in my life i was really down and like that was a really important thing to me and I never realized how important that, uh, uh, and I don't know, that, 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 just that, that, that contact like pulled me back from the edge. Mm. Um, yeah, you don't always see the impact you have on other people. Yeah. And if you're feeling depressed and you're uh, feeling anxious, it's very easy to assume that, that you have no impact because you feel like nothing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I and think, you discount the influence that you do have. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah. And you're just like, well, you know, I'm no, not well, important. I don't offer anything. Yeah. I'm 
you know, so obviously I don't have an impact on people. Mm. I don't make an impression, yeah. whatever it is, but of yeah. course your brain is lying to you. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is the problem. Yeah. Your brain is constantly it, feeding you shit. So, yeah. you know, you don't, you, you underestimate the impact you can have on people for good, even when you feel bad. Yeah. And I think it's, it's made harder in some ways by, for, for us, because we're English and we're all about emotional <laughs> yes, repression. Exactly. <laughs> this is it. This is it. I thought for so long that I was like, this is just my personality. I'm just sad yeah. and worried all the time because that's <laughs> yeah. that's what I yeah. am. That's normal. That's how it should be. And that, like when I was a teenager, I was just like, okay, well, this is it. This is the rest of my life because this is just the person I am. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you, yeah, you, you, you kind of internalize it and you don't necessarily express it and you mm. don't learn those communication skills you know, to express emotions, whether they be positive or negative. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, this is certain, this is certainly how I feel. I mean, I'm not speaking for trying to speak for anybody no, I else. No, that's I, true for me it, as well. I think, especially. I think that, yeah, a like, cultural thing. Yeah. Particularly in in the southern half of England. Yes, stiff upper lip. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, that's what previous generations. Yeah. Uh, mm. Sort of handed on, well, which I isn't mean, necessarily a very a very healthy way to to. to yeah, live. I mean, I mean no, there were um, lots of people previous generations who never said anything about it and went their whole lives without saying anything yeah. about it it was oh. all in a way in private but um, it, was, it was that that suck it up and get on with it attitude and yeah. yeah. uh, that yeah. that's such a such a, a damning uh a damning attitude and it's it's something as well i think that's um because i like obviously there's a lot of like for, for me personally uh there's been a lot so right now at the moment in terms of um uh my work i've been struggling a lot because I've been so I've been, I I'm I've been in this spiral of depression I, and I've finally taken like just the end of this week I've taken the step and I've I've start I, I'm engaging with my manager and my NHR to 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 talk about taking just even just a couple of weeks off work to so I can kind of you know just focus on myself and regroup myself and then yeah. come back better mm -hmm. that was that was very very hard um, because yeah. you know there's that that mindset of like no you need to suck up and get yeah. on with it you you're there to do but your you job you can't I mean you can never you have to stop before you get to breaking point so I don't know if I've ever told you this really so my my dad was in the army. And when I was, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, he had a breakdown, yeah. like a proper psychotic break. At the time, we weren't really told much about it. Like I came home from school one day and he wasn't there. And mum was like, oh, he's had to go into hospital. He's not very well. And he was there for a couple of weeks. And then mm. he came home and he went back to work. And we never talked about it again. Never. Like I could see that he was different, but we mm. never talked about it. And then after mm. he passed away, uh, mum and I did talk about it. And I... <laughs> realized how severe it was like there was a point where he was in our kitchen waving a knife around he had been yeah. on training exercises and he had been so paranoid that he would thought his regiment mates were going to kill him you know it was mm. incredibly severe but he was of this generation of like you suck it up and you keep going to work and you don't tell anyone yep. your feelings and absolutely and then one day he just broke yeah <sighs> yep. and it did change you know for the rest of his life he was a different person and it's something i can only really see in retrospect now mm. yeah um but, you know, it was just never discussed. And so it meant that when I was having mental health problems of my own, uh, my parents mm. knew what was going on because I had to come home from university for a while. So obviously they had to come and get me. Yeah. And my dad yeah. got a speeding ticket coming to pick me up, <laughs> which he never forgave me for. <laughs> he would bring it up like at least once a year. Um, so they knew that I wasn't okay, but they didn't really want to talk about it. And there was a kind of like, yeah. well, you're better now, right? Are you better today? You're better now. And yeah. so then I just felt like I had to be like, yeah, I'm better. And 
I wasn't, <laughs> but I was like, I don't know how to have this conversation with you people, <laughs> you yeah. people, you know, my parents were great. My parents, my mom is still great, but it, there yeah. was no way to honestly communicate what was going on in my head because there just wasn't that culture for them. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it was the same for uh, my family quite a lot of the time, certainly the generation before my parents, my parents, we've had some very open conversations because both my parents suffered with mental health issues of one kind or another. Actually, um, my mum uh, has anxiety. I'm sure mm. she won't mind me saying, and uh, is uh, in treatment for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's doing very well. Um, yeah. And my dad uh, had depressive episodes, mm. so I got a lovely combination of yeah. the two. Yeah, I Thank definitely think there's a there's a big genetic uh, dose of it. Well, yeah. I, it- I, uh, there is a genetic factor. It's um, funny you should mention this. So, um, obviously, you remember my brother, Phil? Yes. So, I, I like, we've been out of contact for a couple of years, but I recently, over the last few months, have got back in touch with him, and I've been playing a lot of games with him in the evening, and I'm mm-hmm. sure he's not going to mind me say, say stating this out here. But as we've been talking, he also has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm. So there is definitely a genetic component there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, fuck you, dad. <laughs> you did this. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think like, all, again, you know, my mom has a lot of problems with anxiety and depression. She had postnatal depression pretty much all through the 80s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some genetic components to it. But, you know, that. Well, it, it, it comes back to that classic. It's another aspect of the nature versus nurture yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. It is how much of it is a i think to my mind it's there's genetic factors which make you more susceptible to these yes. things there's environmental things yeah because yeah. i think for me my depression i feel was environmental like because of being a military kid i was quite rootless for yeah. a lot of my early life moved around a lot always starting over yeah. being the new girl it makes you feel very unsure of yourself uh, and i'm an introvert as well so i have trouble talking to people at the best of times yeah. <laughs> like as a, as a 10 year old yeah. being constantly thrown into new schools it was even even worse but the anxiety i see as having come from somewhere else like i think Mm -hmm. the depression was kind of a definitely an environmental thing but the anxiety to me feels like hey this is just how your brain is like and it would be like this regardless Mm -hmm. so this is actually really interesting we should come on to this because there is an element to dbt uh that's discussed in the in the uh, the uh, general sections um and it's the biosocial theory of dbt so um, the, the the theories that I like that it sounds very scientific. It is. So the, the thought is it's it's it, it's made up of two components. I've actually got it open in front of me now, so I'll talk. I'll I'll, I'll just read it verbatim. Um, so the, it, it's like, why do I have so much trouble controlling my emotions and my actions? So you have the emotional vulnerability is biological. It's simply how some people are born. Some people are more sensitive uh, to emotional stimuli. They can detect subtle emotional information in the environment that others don't notice. They experience emotions much more often than others, and their emotions hit for no reason and from out of the blue. Their emotions are more intense, uh, so their emotions hit like a ton of bricks, and the emotions are long-lasting. That's the biological side of things. Um the impulsivity also has a biological basis. Uh, so regulating uh, action is harder for some than others. Um, so, you know, you can find it very hard to restrain impulsive behaviors. Um, so they do things without thinking that will get them into trouble. Sometimes behavior seems to just come out of nowhere. And sometimes they'll find it very hard to be effective. Um 
so their moods get in the way of organizing and achieving goals uh, and they can't control behaviors linked to their moods. And then you mm-hmm. have the uh, an individual social environment can make it hard to regulate emotions as well. So if you're in something like an invalidating an emotional environment that does, so you're around people that don't seem to understand your emotions uh, or the environment is telling your emotion, you your emotions are invalid, weird, wrong or bad, or the environment ignores your emotional reactions and just kind of does nothing to help. Um, or the environment, you know, you're in, it's, it, it's, it's put in like the it form, but it's like people around you may be saying things like, don't be such a baby, quit blubbering, uh, mm. stop being a chicken and solve the problem. Normal people don't get this frustrated. Um, um, or you're often around people who invalidate, uh, people who invalidate are often doing the best they can. Um, so they may not know how to validate or how important it is to validate, or they may be afraid to validate your emotions. Um, yeah. So you will get more emotional, not less as a result of that. Uh, mm-hmm. They may be under high stress or time pressure, mm-hmm. and they have a uh, few resources, so they don't have the time to, 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 to d- dedicate to you that you actually need. Um, and sometimes, you know, people can just be a poor fit between, you know, you and your social environment. So you may just be in, uh, the way they put it is you may be a tulip in a rose garden. Yeah, that's that. I, uh, um, lived with a girl in my third year at university who we were good friends, but she it's had not crazy Jess, is it? No, 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 no. Jess was a whole other thing. No. <laughs> Um, I shouldn't say crazy Jess in this episode that we're talking about. Like you're trying to reduce stigma of mental health and Um, this girl that we nicknamed crazy. No, no, okay. So I lived with this girl in my third year. We were good friends, but she had no capacity for understanding mental health problems. She saw it almost as like a communicable disease. So, you know, I was very open about the fact that I was dealing with depression. So I was like, look, I live with these people. You know, I'm, I'm not kind of forcing it down their throat but they know something's going on so i may as well tell them like yeah i've been to the doctor i've been diagnosed i'm on antidepressants if i seem a bit weird that's why and mm-hmm. the minute she knew that she completely changed her relationship with me she like, didn't want to talk about it didn't want to be close didn't want, you yeah. know and years later she said to me like yeah you know i didn't handle it well because i was afraid that like i would pick it up from you yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's the thing is emotion like you know mental health uh problems um or you know mental health whatever whatever you want to label it however you want to describe it they're not contagious things and they are i i fully admit it can be very hard from sort for someone on the outside to to understand things but the the one thing that i would always say is that like if you know someone who is suffering with mental health issues um even if you don't understand it and you don't know how to react to it, don't be afraid of it because yeah. it's not something, you know, it's not something that you're going to catch. It's not something that's good that, you know, it's, it's something that that person is dealing with. And if you can offer them support, and uh, and then that's great. And yeah. if you can't, like for my, for me, my person that, you know, this is me personally speaking, it may not be the same for anyone, but if, if, if you can't and you don't understand it, be open and honest with that person and say, look, I don't understand what's going through, going on, what 
how what you're going through because quite a lot of the time if you are if they that person is a good friend they will be open and honest and they will talk to you about it mm. and you may gain a greater understanding of what that person is going through yeah and i think there's you know you should always you you should never feel like it's not your place to reach out like okay you might not have the right words or the right understanding but i think so often the message is if you have a mental health problem don't be afraid to ask for help but that can be incredibly hard to do as we've discussed yeah so if you've been around a bit, if you know someone who has a mental health problem, just say hey every now and then, you know, especially in times like this when everyone is struggling anyway because the world is in a weird place. Mm. Like, it can be so reassuring to have somebody just check in, not necessarily to be like, so how's your BPD today? <laughs> yeah, no. But just like, what are you what are you up to? Well, it was like, how's so work? How's whatever? Here's a really good example. Um, one of my friends from back in Cambridge, I'm not sure if you, if you, if you know him, he's part, he's kind of like, um, part of the the, the the ancillary alt um alternative he's one of my magic mtg friends um uh like king street one type uh lee smith um i don't know if you, if you know him ben but uh anyway um uh he um he literally reached out to me the other day and just called me up and just we literally talked about nothing in particular we were talking about board games and D D and stuff like that but that just that in itself was so helpful and so like it was like it 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 really boosted me up that day and really was just those those little things you know when you when if you if you have some if someone in your life that's co- that's struggling with a mental health issue you don't necessarily need to reach out to them specifically re- like you say regarding those mental health issues just shooting the shit yeah. about anything yeah. in like that particular you, you can be because mental health problems can feel be so isolating. Yeah, and if you don't feel you have the understanding to to discuss the mental health problem, fine. You know, this person is still a human being and they do other things and they aren't just this they're, disorder. They're pro- yes. So you can talk about other stuff, you know. Yeah. But it does it it makes a difference. It does. It does. It really does. Um yeah, uh, that that certainly um sort of strikes a chord with me. Um, yeah, I think social social isolation and, and, and feeling stigmatized, almost stigmatizing yourself at times. Definitely. And having feelings of low self-worth. Just yeah. having somebody, you know, talk to you about stuff, it kind of A, it's A, it's a nice distraction, but B, it also kind of brings you back to a place of I'm a valid person that yeah. people still yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. To. And it reminds you that you are not just the depression or the anxiety yeah. or whatever. And yeah. The one thing exactly. I will say that I've, I've discovered recently, especially like, because um, obviously I, so before we go, I, I want to say that um, currently on our Facebook page um, for the, for this podcast, I have a, uh, um, a uh, kind of like fundraiser donation open button thing for uh, mind.org, which is a uh, mental health organization in the UK, um, specifically doing it for the UK, because obviously as we've, as we've mentioned, woefully underfunded woefully inadequate uh med- mental health uh care in the uk and there has been some very uh great discussion just in the in the comment section on that that alone so one thing i've learned is that yes social media can be a toxic sex pit but if you can find that little corner of social media there are people out there 
great people out there who are who have been may have been through something that similar to yourself that you, that will talk to you and sometimes it's easier to talk to someone completely uh who's who you don't know and mm. you can be a lot more honest and open with that person because you know you're not you don't necessarily gonna have to see them or interact with them ever really they're just someone else on the side of the internet and um like i i would advise people to 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 there are there are good subreddits out there there are but be careful as well because you know there are toxic people on the internet that yeah, will yeah. It, it, to, it's, it's a double-edged sword and you have to you have to you be have careful to curate your experience yeah you but it can be done it, but there is a definitely uh some merit um you know i've had some uh really interesting discussions um for example uh the tattoo that i'm currently having done on my side um fy if don't get your side tattooed. It fucking sucks, as I mentioned uh, during the break. Um, uh, it's a, it's um the face. It's 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 a big knife thing, but the blade of the knife is a face, and it's the face of a cosplay model um, who I I just messaged talking about tattoos and things like that, and um, um, and it, it, it through various circumstances it ended up being her face that we end up using for the, for for the basis for this tattoo. Um, but mm. as we've been talking a lot over the last like couple of months um it transpires that she also suffers from bpd um we've talked a lot about that and you know this is this is someone on the other side of the you know based in america someone i barely know but we've been able to i've been able to be quite open and honest because i you know i don't know i i there's no it's not like i i'm like oh i'm gonna have to see this person tomorrow and what they're gonna think about what i've said to them and that kind of thing so there is definitely some merit to to online but like they say be careful if you if you if you enter you know don't suffer toxicity online if some if you're you're having an interaction with someone online and it's being negative just cut that interaction yeah block it. like you know you don't owe anybody your time on the internet basically yeah. so if somebody is being a dick block them don't, yeah know, i mean for just on my on that that uh thread alone in fact i need to um there's another one that i need to get rid of um actually just right now while i'm thinking about it um I need to delete that comment. There we go. Um, the bit that I've had to delete a number of comments off that thread because there are people like that just come on there and like, oh, crazy alert, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and yes, yeah, so yeah. you do need to, like, there are, there are, yes. there are still assholes out there. Mm. Yeah. I think the, I think, yeah, sometimes. I think uh, Sometimes it comes from a place of just ignorance. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah, Sometimes you might you might be in you might be having a day where you think, oh, I'm going to engage with this person and say, actually, you know, some people find terms like crazy very hurtful, yeah. and this is a real illness. And if you'd like to learn more about it, here's some stuff. Yeah. But some days you just want to go right, delete that fucker and block him and never speak to him yeah, again. Yeah, it just depends yeah. on how much <laughs> mental energy but it, you have. Right? It, it can change dramatically from day to day. Absolutely. <laughs> Completely. But, you know, I have I have days where I'm like. I want to tell the world about mental illness and I want to be an advocate and I want to help people with mental illness. And, you know, I want to correct people if they're ignorant about it. And mm -hmm. I want to, you know, I want to educate as many people as I can. And there's other days where it's just like, I don't want to talk to anyone about yeah. this. I don't want to talk to anyone about anything. In fact, I'm <laughs> going to, I'm, I'm just going to delete or block any message I see where someone's talking to me about it. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like there's, uh, I, you know, one particular comment that is, that is really lovely on, on the thread. Um, uh, there's a, a a chap called Craig who commented on the uh, the thread on my on our Facebook page. who's just like, 
Um, he's talking about a course that he did, but he's he's also offered, you know, just put an open up and like if anyone ever wants to chat, just to PM him. And that's like, you know, there are some really kind-hearted, great people yeah. out there. Um, and there are, yeah, uh, and it's it's worth remembering that definitely. Um, yeah, and, and I think the I think people's awareness of mental illness and the and the sort of falling away of the stigma, you know, things are improving all the time. Oh, Obviously, yeah, it's definitely. not perfect. I mean, but... that's it's why I wanted to do this episode, and it's why yeah. I'm thinking this may become a like a, a you know a somewhat semi regular topic on this um, yeah. as I progress through my treatment through BPD uh, um, for for BPD through the DBT treatment. Um, I, yeah. I think I might be doing some more check in episodes mm-hmm. and things. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, I for I for one would be would be fascinated to hear more because yeah, completely it I is go you know even in the even all of it. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like I have a good handle on, you know, not just my own experiences of anxiety and depression, but what those things mean to other people as well. Yeah. But when it comes, you know, when it comes to things like borderline personality disorder, you know, I, I'm, or at least I have been completely in the dark, didn't understand it at all. So you can understand one kind of, you know, mental health yeah. issue and not, not understand another at all. Yeah. I think they is... all have common threads running through them mm-hmm. and the kind of effects that they have on people's quality of life. But they're so different it's just great to hear some different experiences and perspectives i don't i i mean one of the people that i would be the most fascinated to get on and talk to is like you mentioned earlier is ali like i don't know i like maybe you could ask her i can ask her i obviously won't promise no 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 but like i mean there is another another Mm. facet of of mental health that i i you know i would love to, to have the discussion with her because it's Mm. that's a mental health illness that i don't understand yeah but i, I understand yeah. very little about what it would be like to live with disassociative personality disorder um so mm. it'd be it'd be something really interesting uh, uh and again something to raise awareness because i think even more so than borderline personality disorder that's one of the probably the most commonly uh misconstrued hugely misunderstood and hugely controversial and yeah. very romanticize isn't the right word but i think that when you say to people dissociative identity disorder they're thinking split personality they're thinking they're thinking movie the satanic they're, they're, panic they're, type not stuff just that they and... think they think you know the movie that the movie like the movie interpretations yeah, where it's yeah. like you, you know a lot of people probably think like it's something akin to mrs doubtfire you mm-hmm. know one minute you're something and then the next minute you're something else someone else and then the next minute you're someone else or yeah. you know and i think that's the thing like you know it's it's important to demystify these things because they can seem very scary um on the inside and on the outside you know the the more you talk about it hopefully the more people feel empowered and safe to say oh actually yeah i think i might have this problem or yeah. i've been struggling with this thing like i know we've been going for a long time we need to kind of start wrapping up but mm-hmm. like one of my coping mechanisms for anxiety since I've been a teenager is kind of pulling at my hair, like pulling my hair out and looking for just Split hairs ends. to pull off. And like, and I can't not do it. It's like, <laughs> if I don't do it, I can feel pressure building inside me yeah. and I have to do it. And you live with me. So you probably see me doing it all the fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> Before we moved out here, I went to my doctor and I was like, look, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't really think it's an okay behavior. He was like, oh, it's an obsessive compulsive thing. You have an impulse control disorder, but it's not affecting your life. So carry on. (laughs) It's just like, that's not helpful (laughs) at all. You've just thrown a diagnosis at me and told me to like move on with my life. Like, Was that Dr. Stewart? No, it was um, Dr. Hunt. Oh. Mm. 
the one whose name I always changed the first letter of. <laughs> so, uh, like, in fairness to him, like I'd had a very good relationship with him for a very long time, yeah. but this was just, I was completely blown away. I was like, you've just told me that I have a form of OCD, but you've told me just to kind of carry on. And that's, to me, that's not helpful, <laughs> you know? Wonderful. So, and mm. you don't know. Is it because he doesn't know? Is it because he sees a person who, whatever, she's functioning and she doesn't want medication, yep. she's fine. But so, uh, you know, I've had to kind of, look this stuff up on my own and make a decision like mm. okay is this impacting my life negatively do i want to address it how do i do that and and fumble yeah. through it and yeah so, hopefully the yeah. more people talk about this stuff the the less that happens to people basically yeah. um yeah and yeah i again this brings back to the the mindfulness thing um because a lot of the 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 core of um some of the dbt stuff uh for for the control the impulse control and things comes to that mindfulness mm. so again this is something like, i i like i was very very skeptical of this all very much so when i first started but i have i have already noticed i like i've been able to employ skills and i've not even realized that i've used them at times um it's taken uh my my um my dbt coach to actually point out no you th there you go you you've, you used a skill i'm like oh shit I did. Um, and I think mindfulness is, it, I think it can have benefits to, 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 to any, to anyone suffering from, uh, it, it can just be that generally beneficial to life in general, because it teaches you to live more in the moment and not worry, uh, you know, about the future or the past or and that can be incredibly beneficial for a whole range of things and it can be really helpful for um stopping destructive behaviors because you start you you just kind of be in the moment it's hard to put it yeah. it's hard to put into words and i'm oh, not absolutely. doing a great job it, but it, i it, feel like that's yeah that's such a that's such an achievement when you realize you you've built yourself a mechanism to interrupt a negative behavior or yeah. a negative thought pattern and it kicks in and you almost don't realize you've done it mm -hmm. and then afterwards you look back on it and go wow that happened automatically like i'm getting to the point where i can do that now with with anxiety and i can i can kind of interrupt that spiral of anxiety in various ways i think and it's amazing <laughs> yeah it really is i think that's that's a lot of with the not with all mental health issues but with a lot of them like finding especially when they're 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 emotion related um like things with anxiety uh like things with depression finding um ways to to interrupt that cycle is very very important yeah or finding ways to kind of to to break things down for yourself and make them seem less intimidating. You know, like Ben was talking about the procrastination issue. Yeah. And like, I have the same thing. I will procrastinate on things for days because I'm scared of doing them wrong, really. Like mm. even simple things like making a phone call um, or just like sending an email at work. I'm like, well, if I do it wrong, oh my God. So like- well, How long did we put off putting our, doing our tax returns? Oh God, I know. It's just like, what if I do it? But it, like for me, it's this double-edged thing. Cause I'm like, well, I don't want to do it. Cause if I fuck it up, that's bad. I fucked it up. But if I do it right, that will create more work. And that's another chance to fuck something up. So I just do nothing for days. Yeah. So, but my, my biggest help with all that has been really simply just making lists. Like yeah. I thrive off lists. Cause I'm like- I write that down. I do it. I can tick it off. Yeah. And then I don't have to think about it anymore. And I physically performed an action that tells me this is out of your head now. Oh, like You don't have to think about this anymore. One of the skills in DBT um, is um, actually making pros and cons lists. 
Um, so um, whenever something come, whenever something comes up that that you're struggling with, making a pros and cons list of uh, of. Uh, of okay what's the pro, the pros of doing it what's the cons of doing it this is this is one of the things that's been really beneficial it's especially in dbt it's especially focuses on your problem behavior so it looks at like okay what's the 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 pros of indulging in the problem the problem behavior what's the pro, the cons in indulging of it in in it and also what are the pros and cons of not indulging in it so you look at all aspects of it mm. as well um and the whole thing is to not be judgmental it, it's mm. trying to remove judgment yeah from and i think sometimes taking things out of your head that way and putting them onto yeah. paper can really help clarify your thoughts yeah and that's the same thing with list making for me i'm like okay in my head these things are terrifying but when i write them down they're very simple and i can do them and then i can cross it off my list and i it's gone you know mm. Um, so yeah, as, as as we're kind of like, I think coming towards uh, coming towards the end of, of this show, there's there's one last topic that I I do want to just touch on briefly. Then um, uh, it's something that's hit me really hard recently, um, and um, and it comes back to sort of like talking about the online type type of thing recently. Um, so some of the, some some of you listening may know like. May know both myself and Naomi are huge wrestling fans, uh, specifically Japanese professional wrestling. And uh, recently, uh, very, very recently, um, uh, uh, a female Japanese wrestler named Hannah Kimura um, uh, took her own life um, as a result of um, uh, as a result of some cyberbullying. But obviously, the, the you know, I, I'm not making. I don't want to make assumptions, but uh, it, it has come out that she she struggled throughout her life with mental health issues as well. Um, and I mean, that's something that, that that's that's really hit me hard over the last few weeks. And I, I I wanted to just on this 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 episode about mental health. Um, in a way, I don't know. Just pay my respects to her because she she was only twenty two and had such a bright future ahead of her and this is why i want this is why i want to put this message out of you know please try to not be a dick to especially to those with those that the that may you know especially those people that are you know maybe famous or maybe in the public eye the they are still people and everybody doesn't matter if you are rich and famous everyone can suffer from mental health and it can impact everyone so severely at times and the one message that i want to put out there is regardless it doesn't take effort to not be a dickhead no, it is a, like it is absolute baseline human behavior to be decent it costs you nothing and it's such yeah. a low bar to clear you have no excuses <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um, so sad. I, yeah, that's just really, really tragic. Like it's, so, it, like many I, people die before their time, uh, and, it, and, it, 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 and it could all be it could all be prevented so easily. Yeah, as well. yeah it was. It was. It's. I. I. I've. So I. I. I mean, I have never been as hit as hard by uh like a you know celebrity death or famous person death as this one like especially because it came so out of the blue we were in the middle of watching a aw pay-per-view and it just kind of flashed up a memorial thing like a uh rest in peace hannah kimura and i i literally felt like i'd been punched in the gut i it was just like the fuck 
uh, and then mm. wait, we went on because she she was also a reality. Uh, she was on a reality show. Um, Terrace 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 House, Terrace House on uh, that was on Netflix, and th- th- everything had stemmed from that uh, an interaction that was on that, and she would got a lot of hate online, and and in the good in. There's been some serious um, action now be, looks to be taken by the Japanese government to um, hold people uh, who engage in cyberbullying to account that accountable for their actions, uh, and it's something that I I for like you know strongly believe in because I've I've had hate like obviously you know I put this podcast out there um, so I, I've had I've had hate flung at me on our Facebook page and all kinds of shit. Uh, thrown at me like so i i know that as soon as you put your face out there you are putting you are susceptible to yeah. this kind of thing um and to anyone who's suffering from mental health issues and is out there and is don't suffer that shit uh you are just block it get rid of it and if you're ever like and i you know i'm, I'm somewhat hypocritical here but someone who you tried to take their own life less than a week ago but if you're ever in that place reach out for help like there are hotlines in every major country um do yeah, yeah that that's that's the kind of my part thing if you're like you know suicidal thoughts yeah. plague my every day but I, I'm lucky that I have people around me. If you don't, yep. please do reach out to one. And, and like we said, it takes amazing strength to do so. But I honestly believe you have it in you to do it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Suicide hotline or Samaritans or whatever you've got. Whatever you your are. local equivalent is, do reach yep. out. There's always an alternative to take your own life. There is. And And the other thing I would say to this is if you are somebody who is concerned about someone else, and you are concerned that they might do something to harm themselves or even take their own life, it won't cause them to commit suicide if you ask them about it. Yeah. Asking somebody if they're feeling suicidal is not going to cause them to do it. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's been messaging about that in the UK quite recently, but I think it deserves repeating that if you're genuinely worried about somebody, it's better to ask and talk to them at the time than not talk to them and then regret it yes i completely agree uh you know like i said you know and even if it's not necessarily even even like i say if you're not necessarily reaching out directly about that but engaging with that person on some level can help pull them back from that that brink absolutely um it, like even if you even if you only you know it's a mile like you may not it may just be like oh maybe maybe not it takes no effort on you or, you know it's a very little effort to just reach out to someone and just be like hey how's things it can make the world of yeah. difference so that yeah. that's 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 kind of the the mm. the, 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 the the ending that my the my 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 parting message is you know to all those people with who have mental health issues you're not alone it's something that millions of people across the world are suffering with and know that we're all in this fight together and to those of you that know people that may be suffering that don't be scared of them they're not monsters they're not contagious and you have no idea how much impact just saying hey and reaching out could have in their lives yep 
Absolutely. Rather sombre note to end on, I guess. Do you, but, want, to, do you uh, want to finish uh, with a joke? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't feel it's right to finish no, with a joke. No, I think that was... There's a good message. I'm sure you can put some resources in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I'm going to put because um, there's a lot of, for for those because obviously we've talked a lot about borderline personality disorder. Um, I'm going to put a lot of there's there's a lot of uh, resources on YouTube. Um, Marshall Lynham, uh, uh, the creator of uh, uh, DBT therapy, has there's a lot that she's talked about on uh, YouTube. So I'll I'll, I'll uh, post a vid- I'll post some links in the show notes for that. Um, um I, i'll post um again uh links to um uh, places like mind dog and uh, a lot of the things that we've we've talked about i'll, I'll make sure that there are links to the relevant relevant things in the sh- in show notes and like i say if you're looking for uh obviously i can't cover everybody everybody who may be listening across the world but you know do do research and like there are a lot of mental health charities um across the world that you that you can reach out to um so please, you know, if you feel like you're ready for that to, you know, you, you, you're sat there going, I don't want this anymore. Take that step and then like grab hold of that and make that change. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, here's a positive note to end on. Go mm-hmm. on. <clears throat> We're all still here. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. And, then, then this, and this is proof. <laughs> this is proof. And that is proof, you know, that, that fight can be fought and it may be a fight that you fight for the majority, if not all of your life, but it's a fight worth fighting. And yeah, I, yeah, we are all still Think, here. Things can always get better if you fight for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that is the positive note that, you know, I am still, I'm still struggling. I'm still fighting day to day. We all are, but we're not alone. And it, we are, even though we may not know each other and we're all millions of miles apart, we're all in this together. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that, there you go. Yeah, positive. That's positive. the note to end on. Yeah. So um, again, thank you, Ben, for coming on and uh, talking with us and uh, sharing your experiences. It's been a pleasure it's, and a privilege, sir. It's, it's been great to catch up with you again as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, Again, Naomi as well. Shut up, Siri. I didn't ask you. <laughs> I didn't invite you, you on this. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> now. Uh, Naomi, again, thank you for joining in once again. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm always here. Yeah, because you're in my <laughs> I house. I have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so hopefully, um, like I say, um, I'll be putting up a couple of episodes. I'll, I'm going to put this one up. I'm going to leave it up for a week. And then I've got an episode that myself, Naomi and Bungle recorded a little while ago, which I'd not, I'd not put up because of uh, me struggling with the borderline uh and suffering i just as we talked about procrastinating and procrastinating not put it up so I, i'll be putting that one up shortly after this but i want to give this time uh to sit at the top and for everyone to to listen to this because this is you know very important uh to me and to um to us all so um yeah thank you all for listening um uh, all of you out there stay safe stay strong um and We'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.